Wednesday night I'll be showing our uh, PowerPoint presentation and um, and telling you some soul winning stories. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 23, if you want to open your Bible to that, we're going to consider this one verse um, while you're looking at it. The steps of a good man are the steps of a good man ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Abraham was tested, for Isaac he must slay. He trusted God, let come what may. Jonah took a boat ride from God to run away. He found it better to obey. If Christians would be steadfast to read the word and pray, they'd find that God would guide their way. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I wasn't a good man when God started working in my life. When I graduated, before I graduated from high school, I'd been in jail three times. And I wasn't a good man. I wasn't even a good teenager. But I got a job right out of high school as a choke setter in the Snow Peak Lumber Company. And before I forget, well, last time I was here, I offered 38 of my adventure books on, this, on a flash drive. Now there are 63 of them. And uh, I'll be out in the foyer if you want all 63 of these books, adventure books for ages 9 to 99. Uh, it's, you just have to pay for the flash drive. It's $5 for the flash drive. And that's pretty, it's a one gigabyte flash drive. You can erase my books and use the flash drive if you want. <laughs> so I'll be out in the back. And uh, they're adventure books like uh, Danny Orlis, Turkey Creek Gang, but they're more like Hardy Boys and uh, Nancy Drew with a lot of comedy and someone gets, somebody gets saved in almost every book. Well, they mentioned the, the Snow Peak Lumber Company in the books, mentioned a lot of times, and I got a job there right out of high school. I was going to be a choke setter, and that's the most dangerous job in the woods, is a choke setter. The caterpillar is up there on the hill, and the cable comes down, and... Uh, the choke setter has to wrap the cable around the log, and then the log is pulled up out of the ravine. And if that cable breaks, <laughs> you better be faster than, uh, uh, than uh, Speedy Gonzales because it, it, it'll kill you. So I got that job, and I bought some boots, and I was supposed to start on Monday. And I was in the Navy Reserve at the time, but I was just in the reserves, went one, once a month. But the job was given to a, a kid that rode my bus to school, a neighbor kid. He got my job. And so I didn't get the job. Three months later, the cable broke, and it killed him. That would have been me. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I wasn't even a good man. But God spared my life by not giving me that job. So I joined the Navy. I, I went active duty. I'd already been. I went active duty. I should have joined the Air Force or the Army. I, I was sick, seasick most of the time. <laughs> but I was only seasick when the ship was out at sea. When it was in port, I did pretty, fair, pretty well. But so when I got to the ship, uh, it was their turn to, to send somebody down to do the dishes. 
I mean, I, it was on my first day aboard the ship. They said, hey, it's our turn to send somebody to the scullery, and it's going to be you, because you're the bottom man on the photo pole around here. And I said, next time this our, it comes around next time, I'm going to be third-class petty officer, and I'm not going. Well, I, I did. I, I made third-class petty officer in a year, and I didn't go down the next time. But now I'm down there in the scullery doing dishes, and we're out to sea, and I am sick. I am sick. Oh. I mean, there's a pit, there's a, there's a pitch, and then there's a roll. The pitch I can take, you know, because it's like this. The pitch goes like this, but the roll goes like this. And I was sick. And I'm puking in this bucket, and I'm doing the dish. This, the, uh, and the boatswain's mate. If you know what a boatswain's mate is, you know, uh, boatswain's mate walks by, and he looks at me, and he says, well, you don't look good. I said, I'm sick. Uh, and he said, I spent more time go, going backwards than you have going forward. Well, that makes me feel better. I didn't say that to him. You don't say that to a boatswain's mate. You know. In case you don't know what a boatswain's mate is, Chief uh, in, what was his last name? The pastor in Salansdale? Chief Jordan was a boatswain's mate. <laughs> so you don't, not that. And so, you don't say that. I didn't say that to him. So, you know, I'm puking in a bucket. And, and then another guy comes along. I don't know anybody on the ship. I just got there. I've been there a day. So, other guy comes along and he sees me and he says, Man, you don't look good. I said, No, I'm not bad. I'm seasick. And he said, I'll pray for you. Now, there's a different approach. <laughs> I mean, he got the bosses made, and then he, okay, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. They say it's all in your head, but I, I tell you, if it's all in your head, then what's that stuff in the bucket? That's what I don't know. It is, and actually, it is in your head. I have an equilibrium problem in the back of my head, and if I, if I just do two, two spin arounds, or, or sometimes these, you know, these spaghetti junctions, they get, they get me, you know. Ah, uh, bad. So, about a month later, I had a problem that I needed some help with, some counsel, and I didn't go to the boatswain's mate. <laughs> I went to this guy, he was a weatherman, and I went to him. His name was Richard Edwards. Uh, his son, right now, runs the Sight and Sound over there in Lancaster. He runs that. That's his son. And uh, Richard Edwards uh, was a Christian, and he invited me to go to the Calvary Baptist Church of San Francisco. But the night that we were supposed to go, uh, he couldn't go with me because he had duty. And so he drew a map out for me to go. And, and, and a friend of his said, Latham ain't going to go to that church. He's just going to go downtown to the first bar and, and uh, get drunk. And well, I went to the church that night. That was May the 6th, 1964. Another sailor offered to take me to my aunt's house across the, bay, across the bay after church. I hadn't seen my aunt in years and years. So he offered to take me. And on the way over, another sailor explained what grace was. God's riches at Christ's expense. The light came on. I understood. For the first time in my life, I understood what grace was. And I really needed grace. When we got over there, sitting under that light, he asked me, would you like to ask Christ to be your Savior? I would. I said a simple prayer. 
God help me, I'm a sinner. I don't want to pay for my sin. Save me. After I said the prayer, I said to him, this is great. I'm going to be a preacher. That's the first words that came out of my mouth. I went into my aunt's house. I hadn't seen her in years. Our, our, her family were jailbirds and professional wrestlers. That's, that, was, that, was, that side of the family, really. And my side of the family were also the, the jailbirds, but not professional wrestlers. Well, I tried to explain to her uh, what just happened to me. I don't want to have been saved 15 minutes, and I was trying to lead her to Christ. I, she couldn't understand what I was saying, but she said, do you have a Bible? I said, no, I don't. So she went and gave me a Bible. I still have it. It's a Schofield Bible, and it's got a lot of notes in it over the years, and I had it rebound, wore it out. Her son was 11 years old. His dad was in prison. I said, I stayed overnight, and I said, Mikey, uh, do you uh, want to go to hell when you die? And he said, not me. <laughs> well, uh, listen, if you don't want to go to hell when you die, you need to do what I just did, and you need to accept Christ as your Savior. I'd only been saved 30 minutes, and I led him to Christ. Um, I don't know if it worked or not, because he ended up in prison like his dad, but the point was that I was changed. I didn't change myself. My motor was changed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And I was a new creature. I went back to my ship, and uh, I was a, before I was drinking, and well, anyway, you know what sailors do. <laughs> and I went back to my ship. I didn't say anything to anybody. I said nothing. And I went and started going to work, and one of the sailors, the sailors started looking at me a little askance, and they said, what's the deal with you, Latham? I said, well, what's the problem? No, I just, we don't know, what's, what's your problem? I don't know, what, what is your problem? He said, well, we've been here for 20 minutes already, and you haven't told one dirty joke or cuss or anything, so we want to know what's going on. Oh. <laughs> well, I said, last night, I accepted Christ as my Savior. They started laughing, and they, they kept laughing for a couple of years, but... Pretty soon, the captain asked if somebody would like to hold Protestant divine services when we're out to sea. Well, that's me. <laughs> so, at 30 days after I got saved, I'm standing behind a pulpit on our ship holding services. I mean, I didn't know anything, but I knew a little more than they did. <laughs> so that's how it all started. And So being seasick is one of the reasons why I came to know Christ as my Savior. And the man who led me to Christ, I'm going to be preaching in his church in a, in a, a week or so. It's in Mantua, New Jersey, just a little south of Philly. He's been in the ministry for 40 years. When I got out of the Navy, I went to Western Baptist Bible College in El Cerrito, California. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So, but they're filled with... They were filled with Calvinism. I could see that, and I hate Calvinism with a passion. And so I said, I'm not staying around here to, to fight Calvinism for the next four years. And I'm out of here. So I got on my Honda 150 and from, rode it from San Francisco to Minneapolis. It took me three days to get there. 
rode 19 hours the first day, 21 hours the second day, and 22 hours the third day. I was a lot tougher then than I am right now. <laughs> uh, I still have a Honda 150, by the way. It's an automatic transmission, though. So that's my bike now. My nausea of Calvinism drove me to Pillsbury College. <laughs> and, uh, well, actually, the motorcycle drove me to Pillsbury College, but anyway. But I was from California. I spent five years in California, and, and I spent uh, 15 years in, in Oregon, and I wasn't used to 40 degrees below zero. Oh, man, I'd never faced this before. You think it's cold here, folks? Ah, oh, the frozen tundra of the north of Minnesota. I had worked for the school. My job was to chip the ice off the sidewalk so the kids could go to the breakfast in the morning, not on top of the ice. So I, the, they could give me up. Hey, get up, Tom. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. you got to get out there and chip ice. Oh, I, I didn't like this place at all. Man, I would... I, had, I would run to work because my motorcycle, you know, I had to park my motorcycle, you know. <laughs> so I, I had to run to work and the icicles would build up in your nose and your eyelashes. and You, you know what it's like. It's a... Anyway, I'm out of here. I'm going back to California. <laughs> so during uh, Christmas vacation, I went out back to California and I registered at the same school that I was at. I said, I'm back here. Uh, I just can't take that. I had nothing to do. I, I didn't have any Christian work. I didn't, wasn't teaching Sunday school. I was used to doing something. And I had so many students that I, I couldn't find anything to do. And so that didn't make me connected very much there in Minnesota. But I had to go back for one week because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. I asked my roommate at Pillsbury, who was Dave Sorensen, a theologian, I asked him, what, in that verse, he and his, now, is the he God or me, is the his God or is it me? Which, which is it? Because I, I, I don't know. It helps if I know this. He said, well, it's been a big debate over that over the years, but it really doesn't matter because it works out real well both ways. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm back in Minnesota to take my final exams and then I'm out of here. God knew I needed something to do. I needed something to do. I'm a cleric. I, I can't just, you know. Uh, God sent to the campus a pastor, Virgil Fitch. And he was looking for a youth pastor for a small church down in Spring Valley, Minnesota. And he interviewed me. And I got the job. And I stayed in Minnesota. A good, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God sent Virgil Fitch to Pillsbury College so that I would stay in Minnesota and someday meet Penny. If I'd have gone back out to California, I'd have never met the joy of my life, Penny. So, I stayed. The following summer, I worked, my, I worked all the time because I, I had no help. No help. No, no church helped me. No person helped me. I was on my own. 
as far as paying my bill. But then it only cost $110 a month to go to college of room, board, and tuition. $900 for the whole year. I mean, that, that was reasonable. I could do that, you know. I could earn that money. So this guy came on campus. And he worked for what's uh, it's called Southwestern Books or something. They sold dictionary, dictionary over the summer summer they sold dictionaries they would go to a town and take a group there and they would sell dictionaries just one book five dollars sell it he said you can make yeah he had a lot of you know rhetoric and and exciting uh, words and so he said you can make thousands of dollars if you got the right personality i i had i had a right right personality clerics make good salesmen and so do sanguins for different reasons uh so I signed up. Man, I'm going to make some money, and I'm not going to have to work during the school year. I'm going to make a couple thousand dollars. So I signed the contract. In fact, I took one of the books down to. I got one of the books, and I went to uh, down the streets in Owatonna. In five minutes, I sold that book. Is this a dictionary? I still got one. That's another story. <laughs> anyway, I still got. I gave it to my wife for her, her birthday, and she said I was expecting a wedding ring, a engagement ring. And I gave her the dictionary. Uh, I still got the dictionary, though. So, I went down and I sold it, and I was coming back to and to school, and then uh, I was walking up the steps going into Pillsbury and. Uh, Steve Cornelius, who was a, a student at that time, and was, I had a lot of respect for him then, and I still do. And we were walking up together in the steps, and I said, Man, Steve, I just I signed that contract to go sell uh, dictionaries this summer, and I'm going to go sell dictionaries. I want to get a lot of money. I want to get a lot of money. And he had to go and say something. They ruined my good time. He said, Well, that's good, Tom, if that's what God wants you to do. Why'd you have to go and say that for, you know? <laughs> So I went up to my room and I thought this over. Man, oh man. Uh, Lord, I've never made a spiritual decision based just on money. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm making a spiritual decision based just on money. And I, I, I don't think this is a good idea. So I went back to the guy and he said, I'm not going. He said, you signed that contract. Oh, sue me. You know it isn't worth anything. Uh, listen, I made a mistake signing that contract. I'm not going to make two mistakes by uh, going. Okay, he said, uh, I'm a Christian, I'll, I'll let, uh, too, I understand, I'll let you off. So what did I do that summer? I spent the whole summer working at Camp Chetek in Wisconsin. Camp Chetek. I don't know if you know anything about Camp Chetek, it's a pretty good place. I drove the bus, I drove a truck that picked up their luggage on the way uh, back and forth. That was my job on the weekend. And on the weekends, I would go down to the churches in Milwaukee, and I would sit a, a, a weekend in a church, and the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I went to the First Baptist Church of Waukesha, Wisconsin, and I went to the church picnic. Remember, I'm, I'm not, I, I was supposed to be in California, remember? Stayed, got the job, now I'm in summer camp. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I sat down at a picnic table there at a picnic and had a big plate of chicken. And, and a, a, a young lady sat down across from me and just dazzled me. I was absolutely taken by this beautiful young lady that sat down across from me and told me her testimony. Man, oh man, I want to marry this woman. 
I'd never met anybody like her. But she was going to Grand Rapids School of the Bible and music. And I was going to Pillsbury. So there goes that opportunity. But remember, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. She came up to camp and uh, she was a counselor at camp too. I saw her a few more times. But she was going to Grand Rapids School of the Music and Bible. Bible and Music. Well, I went back to Pillsbury and I started dating her best friend uh, from that same church, uh, a Russian uh, girl. Her name was Lida Schmuck. Uh, that's not Schmuck, that's Schmuck. And so we dated for a while and but, yeah, Penny showed up at Pillsbury <laughs> she, because she found out that they were teaching something at Grand Rapids School of the Music and Bible. She didn't like She phoned the president and said, I'm not coming. And so Sidham said, get up here, young lady. You can register after you get here. And so she went to Pillsbury. The last minute, she decided to go to Pillsbury. The steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord. Well, I'm dating her best friend. And her best friend said to me, Tom, there's no future in our relationship because you're dead set on being a missionary, and I'm never going to leave the United States. My parents paid a big price to get here, and I'm staying. So there's no future in our relationship. And so she was Penny's best friend, and so she told Penny, uh, Tom and I, you know, we're not dating anymore. And Penny thought, well, I wish you'd ask me out. <laughs> I did. I asked her out. Would you go to a football game with me? She did. She went to a football game with me. And uh, the minute that after that first date, we both knew we didn't have to look anymore. I found somebody who loved the Lord just like I did. And I found somebody who wanted to be a missionary and would never let anything stop them from being that missionary. And that's Penny Stimson. That was my wife. So the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I'm supposed to go to what time is it? What time am I supposed to quit? Huh? 9.30. Okay. So, we decided to... I went to Central Seminary. I'd gone to 13 grammar schools and two high schools uh, because my mother was an alcoholic and spent... My mother spent two, three years in prison. And my father who I discovered when I was 40 years old, spent two years in prison. Can I get some, uh, you got some Kleenex or something here? So you, can, you got some Kleenex painting there? This is what she wants to give you, a little Kleenex bag. <laughs> After I met my biological father, he spent two years in prison. My sister didn't survive she worked for the mafia and was killed when she was 29 years old. My brother, who was two years younger than me, he died of alcoholism when he was 49 years old. That's the kind of family I was raised in. So, I went to Central Seminary. My, my senior year, uh, Dr. Van Heltel, who was a very dear friend of mine, came to me and said, Tom, would you be interested in being a, a pastor? I have a church that's looking for 
a pastor and I'm going to recommend you. Whoa, I've been studying for uh, eight and a half years now. Somebody orders me, offers me a job. I've never been paid a nickel for anything I ever did for the Lord. And now somebody's offering me a job. So I don't know, I have to go home and talk to Penny about it. I went home and we talked it over and said, well, you know, we've seen people who said they were going to be missionaries and got into the pastorate and never made the mission. Now we're going to, we're going to take the, the hard road. And so I said, I appreciate the offer, but my, my son ended up to be a youth pastor of that church for a whole summer, Marshall, Minnesota. That's the church. He didn't tell me what church it was. But anyway, I found out later. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We decided to continue on the road to be missionaries. So we went to Kennedy School in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. And uh, everybody in our Kennedy class said, Tom and Penny are going to get to the mission field first. They are pushers and shovers and movers, and Tom's a choleric, and they're going to get there first. We got there last. We were the last ones of our Kennedy class to get to the mission field. One of them got there in nine months. After I'd been on deputation a year, I had $100 a month support come in. I didn't even make my car payment. I was a bit discouraged. Been on deputation for a year. You know what that's like? He knows what it's like. Two years on deputation. I had 40% of my support. What's going on here? I mean, I'm supposed to be on the mission field already. We had two boys. After Shane was born, Penny couldn't have any more children, so we signed up for, to get a, a, girl, a girl. Well, the person who was our case uh, director didn't really like us very much, so she kept putting us on the bottom of the list. It had been five years, five years, and we didn't have a girl. And so they changed the the caseworker, and immediately I got a call from the caseworker, you've been on this list for five years. Yeah, well, I'm going to change that. And in a month, we, we got a girl. We named her Cosette Karen. Just, it's just a month later. But I didn't know that when we signed up to get the girl, I didn't know that after you, they give you the child, that you have to live in the state of Minnesota for a year. You cannot leave the country for a year. We didn't know that when he signed up. That's why we didn't raise our support. That's why we didn't get the money. That's why we didn't leave the country. Because we were going to get cozy. The steps of a good man are, are ordered by the Lord. And it was worth the wait. So, after three years, we went to the field with Cozy. We've been missionaries now for 48 years. I'm going to go for 60, I hope. I had heart surgery in February. Had me, this right kidney was a naughty kidney. I had it removed a couple months ago. But uh, right now we're in the maintenance stage of our lives. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We, needed, we, know we, we knew we needed to move out of Porto Alegre and over to closer to the church that we were working at in Casuarina, where Boyd Hitz and his crew came down and put the floor down, and, and Ingram 
with his perfectionism, tried to do the electrical work. No, no, Steve, we just need two wires here, not five. <laughs> anyway, they came down with their work crew. We still were living in Porto Alegre. We knew we had to move. I said, Lord, I want a piece of property that's only 300 meters from the main road so that people can catch the bus and come to our house. So I, we looked around and looked around, and finally the, this guy said, well, the lady across the street is selling her property. So I went over there and asked her how much she wanted, and she wanted only wanted $5,000. I almost fainted. It was, oh, that's so cheap. It's so cheap, $5,000. So I, we bought it. You get in your car, and you pull out of my place, and your GPS is working. It says, in 300 meters, turn left. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We're exactly 300 meters from the main road. And we've lived there for 25 years, and we're going to live there until we're gone. During the construction of my house, the person who was working with me had cheated me, and he left me hanging with the job half done. I'm up there trying to do the job, a mason, a mason, a job of a mason, and I, I'm not doing a very good job, and it's raining, and I'd got, I'd got an estimate to finish the job that I already paid for, and it was $1,000, and I couldn't pay. Lord, you know I can't pay $1,000. Lord, I'm up there in the rain, and I'm, it's, it's, I can't do this work. I'm an electrician. This is, uh, I need some help. 30 seconds later, the skinny, skinny guy walks by and he looks up there and he said, you need some help up there? Come on up, take a look. So he came up and he gave me an estimate of 100, 90. He gave me an estimate of $90. I said, I'll pay you 100. I was a generous person. <laughs> That's the fastest answer to prayer I ever had in my life. <laughs> 30 seconds after that, I, it was amazing. And he finished that job and then he finished the rest of the structure of the house. But for... For 17 years, I took a trailer to the public school on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday to, to, take, to teach wrestling. And I always had people helping me. I'd always had one or two, sometimes five, six, or seven kids were helping me. Well, it came to this one uh, time when I had nobody. Nobody could help me. I was there, by my, and I had to hook the trailer up by myself. I had to put the mat down by myself. I couldn't, it just was a lot of work for one person to put the mat down and take it back up. So I, I hadn't even prayed for this. I didn't think there was a chance that I'd get any help that day. So I'm hooking the trailer up to the, my van, and this kid that used to wrestle with us, I hadn't seen him in a couple of years, he walks across the street. And I said, Junior, what are you doing? Well, I, I'm here to help. I didn't even pray for that. I didn't even pray. He helped me that one day, and I haven't seen him since. God sent him that day to help me. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You've sent some help for us, and you, we, with your funds that you sent, we put a ceiling in our church, we put a front rock front in our church, we put a, 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 a roof on our church. I needed a man to put the rock front in our church, so I, I phoned some construction companies. The first one didn't answer, the second one didn't answer, finally the third one said, uh, he answered, and his name was Paul, Paulo. He came and he gave me half of his orcimento. The other orcimento I got, the estimate I got, was 60000 He did. He gave me an estimate of 30000 Wow. I'll take you. 
He stayed. His wife came. She went to Patrick where she got saved. He got saved. We baptized them both. He's a deacon now in the church. You're going to see his picture on Wednesday night. But the first guy didn't answer the phone. The second guy didn't answer the phone. The third guy was him. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He sent Paulo to help me. And he's going to help me the rest of my life. He's a good man and he does a great job. I'm going to end by reading this one page here. Maybe you don't see these things in your life. Maybe you don't see that these steps that of good man are ordered by the Lord. Maybe you don't see how God has done this in your life. Maybe it's perhaps because you are spiritually blind and you don't see these things. Or maybe if you're spiritually blind, that means that Jesus does not know you. Because he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So the question is, you may know about the Lord, but does he know you? The verse says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. The question is, you may know about him, but does he know you as one of his sheep? If you have never accepted him as your only and sufficient savior, then he doesn't know you. You know about him, but he doesn't know you. As it says in that verse. You can live your whole life like this. Without him. You can make money. Get married. Have a family. Be rich. Famous or powerful. But if you leave this life without him. You will spend eternity in a place you never believed could be that bad. Where you will never escape. If you are absolutely positive. He knows you. As one of his sheep. Then your name is written in the book of life. And you will spend eternity with him. Then the question is, and I have five things, six things here mentioned. If he is the Lord of your life, that's the question. Is he, is he this, maybe the Savior, but not the Lord of your life? There's a difference. If he is the Lord of your life, you cannot say no to him. Every command given in the Navy Every command given in the Navy has only, they only want one answer. Aye, aye, sir. Now, this is, not a, this is not the Army, the Air Force, or the Marines. In the Navy, the answer to every command is aye, aye, sir. The first aye is, I understand the command. The second aye is, I will obey the command. Because you can understand the command and not obey the command. So you, just, you, don't, you don't say, yes, sir. At least that was true when I was in. No, the answer is aye, aye, sir. I understand the command. I will obey the command. Now, <clears throat> if, you're another, if you're in another service, in fact, maybe that was different, but that's the way it was for us. I understand I will obey. Number three, you realize and act like you are a servant. If he is Lord of your life, then you realize that you're a servant and you act like you're a servant. Your great, greatest joy is in serving him and others. That's what the Joy Club is all about. Number five, you will serve and obey even if you do it alone. Even if you do it alone, even if you have to go alone, you will serve and obey. The last thing is, obeying and serving is not like taking distasteful medicine. (laughs) I'll close with this. I I, I was raised in a a poor family, a very poor family. We, We were so poor, pancakes only had one side. 
We were so poor. We would go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. That's poor. I mean, we're poor. And so my, my aunt, I was raised on a farm in Oregon, and, it, and these books talk about the farm. My aunt, she picked up a worm this big. So all of us now had to take the worm medicine. It was a spoonful of sugar with extract of turpentine in it. We took it every day. That's the, oh, that's the poor man's medicine. And we took it every day before we went to school. Open your mouth. Oh, I hated that stuff. And I told my grandmother the last time I saw her, you know that, that, that worm killer medicine you gave us? Yeah, but you never had worms, did you, Tommy? Yeah, that's right. I never had worms. I, I guess it worked. <laughs> but the last point is that serving and obeying is not like taking distasteful medicine. <laughs> it's a joyful thing to serve the Lord. Now, not, that doesn't mean everything that happens to you is good or, or joyful, but at the end you realize you're serving the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'll take this text, this verse, in Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and I pray that it'll mean a lot to these people after this service. I pray that they'll consider it. I thank you so much for this church and all they do to help us, Lord, over the 40 years that they've supported us. I pray you'll bless this conference and bless this offering, Lord. And maybe somebody needs to make a decision today that they'll do it today before it's too late. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.